Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Mark. Hi, Liz. Hi, Betty. Hi, Betty. Happy New Year. Yes. We are not recording this in the new year right now. It's a couple of days before Christmas, but when this it drops, is. it will be 2024. Yay. What things could happen? <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah, who's to say? But I wanted to, uh, before we get into today's wonderful episode, I can't wait to share this with you. We got so many comments from horse lovers yeah. about your horse, Wildflower. Wildflower. So many people who have had deep, yes. long relationships with their horse like people yes. have with dogs and kitty Absolutely. cats. Yeah, I thought that was really it, neat. So yeah, I was really lucky because my dad, who was an attorney, he would do like trade-offs with people. And oh, this nice. year he traded a horse. That so was cool. if you can't afford, you know, to pay, right. then sometimes, you know, we got a hams, system. a barter. And, and we're talking like 1970s, but great horse. I love this horse so much. Yeah. My dad was a dentist yeah. and often people couldn't pay and we would get Same things deal. like the use of someone's mountain house for yep. a weekend. Yep. Or, you know, you just did what you could. And that's what this horse was. So it was not every year that I received oh, something no. close to a horse oh, for no. Christmas. Yeah. No, you know, in the 1970s, particularly trading amongst doctors or lawyers mm-hmm. or any kind of, they did it all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's really cool. Yeah. Now, before, again, we hop into the episode, I want to talk a little bit about the twin interview yes. <laughs> that we did. So I left out a little piece of the twin talk that I wanted to save for this podcast because I have a, a correlation. I'm going to play this little clip for you right now. This is your mom talking about writing. And you okay. just didn't see her ever writing. Kept just no. writing short no. stories no. or... No, no. I just don't think she would have had time. Uh, Yeah, right. um, That's another thing. Uh I don't know if you remember this, but I used to write stories. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a story that I sent to 17 17 magazines. Really? And of course, I had no idea that my mother Mm -hmm. used to write stories. Mm Mm-hmm. And she never said. Two times in the diary, she'll mail a story off to mm-hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Did she know you wrote that story? Oh, I'm sure she did. And she didn't say, oh, I did the same thing. <laughs> that mm-hmm. woman. Well, thank God she left these diaries. We can 
peel that onion. So it intrigued me that I remembered looking in your grandmother's diary from the 1940s, and it had an address book in the back. Mm -hmm. I found this address right under the address for Rex Wallace out there in California. I found this name, Fictional Editor, United Feature Syndicate, 220 East 42nd Street, New York City, New York. Elizabeth wrote that? Yes. She had it in her address book. Where to send submissions for writing. This must not have been a one-time thing that she did. If she said, let me keep this in my address book. Cool. Isn't that neat? So I thought that was really... And how your mom didn't know that your grandmother had Mm -hmm. done any writing, much Mm -hmm. less sent them off to the Fiction Editor United Feature Syndicate. It's in New York, though. It's in, uh, yeah, on 42nd Street. Oh, my. Cool, Grandma. You and I have probably walked by that building a million times, not knowing where it was. I'll have to get on Google Earth and find it. Another thing the twins talked about is how your grandmother was in the study club Mm -hmm. is one of the things she did. And when I was just, you know, looking for Marble Hill stories in the newspaper, I found Marble Hill Study Club has a pound party. And I thought, oh, this is from the social section. Mm. So the study club every month had a meeting and it always made the newspaper. So on this particular occasion, a delightful annual entertainment, a pound party was given yesterday afternoon by members of the Marble Hill Study Club in connection with their regular meeting in the home of Mrs. A. B. Howard, North Highway. Each member of the organization was requested to bring a pound of food to be served as refreshments along following the business discussion and program in the early afternoon hours. So what happened in the study club was that every month they would have a topic. And this time the topic was leisure time. Okay. And then these women would have to come with essays that they wrote about what they think leisure time means to them mm-hmm. or how they spend their leisure time. One of the ladies wrote an article that said leisure time and its opportunities. Another wrote the right use of leisure time. And they would read these to each other and have a little discussion. So that's what the study club I love was it. all about. Isn't that so cute? Yeah. I love it. And the, the fact that your mom was a part of it. And I mm-hmm. looked I looked at every study club article to see if I could see if maybe Bess, your great-grandmother, had ever mm-hmm. done it. No such luck. No. She was not in the study club. But it seems like a lot of fun. And She was a teacher, Bess. When did she teach? Didn't she teach? Mm-mm. She didn't? No. Okay. I know the other her, Underwoods Her taught. mother did. Her, oh, so your great-great-grandmother, Sarah Underwood. Sarah. And that's so did, exactly who I'm thinking so of. And so did George Underwood, your great-great-grandfather. That's, yes. I think that's how they met. Oh, teaching. Perhaps. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But before we even hop into the diary, we have January 1st Nazi news. (laughs) On January 1st, a new law went into effect in Germany, barring women under 35 from being employed by Jews. 10,000 women lost their jobs as a result. Mm. So if you were 36, you could be employed by a Jewish person. But if you're 35 or under, they don't want you to be what? indoctrinated, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. They don't want these young, impressionable girls. I what see. in the world? Mm-hmm. God, that made me so mad. But 10,000 women are now out of work because of this horrible racist mm-hmm. law. But we're going to get a lot of Nazi news in this episode and a lot coming up. But now let's find out. Oh, okay. We didn't even do where we left off. 
when we left off in 1935, because we yes. just did that recap podcast. Right. So you could probably just go back and listen to that without me recapping yeah. the episode. But the most important part about where we left off the diary last time was that Elizabeth did not go to the New Year's Eve dance with mm-hmm. Jack. Mm-hmm. She went all by herself and danced with Bill Teeters all night long. Ooh. And we were wondering what the next day would look like. And so here we go. Hey, Bettys, it's Liz in the editing booth because Mark and I got so excited about making our first podcast back after such a long break that we didn't talk about any business at all. But there is something new that we're offering for all of you guys on our Patreon. As you've noticed, these podcasts now have advertising on them, which can be annoying or can be fine. It's up to you guys. But if you want to hear all of these episodes ad-free, we are adding that to the $5 a month membership on our Patreon. If you're already a $5 subscriber, yes, thank you. We love you so much. And all you need to do is go to the app and you can listen to this episode right now without any commercial interruption. And if you want to add this to your feed, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify or Apple, The directions for doing that are on our Patreon, but otherwise you just need to go to the My Membership section on the Patreon or the Overview section if you use the Patreon app, and it will give you the link to get the RSS feed right onto your favorite streaming app. So that's just a new thing. It doesn't change anything else. You'll still get the first 30 minutes of the previous episode um, early if you're on the $10 level, but this new $5 level is what we wanted to introduce to you guys. And now, Welcome to My Grandma's Diaries. Hi, we are some of Elizabeth's great-grandchildren. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Wilson. I'm Audrey. I'm Harper. I'm Aiden. I'm Colton. I'm Vivian. And you're listening to My Grandma's Diaries. January 1st, 1936. Well, I started off the new year right by sweeping the whole upstairs. Then I ironed until dinner, after which I had a much needed rest. Frances begged me to go to town with her, but I wasn't in the mood. I stayed here and wrote to Rex. After Frances got home, we took Helen's and my shoes to Lutesville. While we were gone, Jack came. I kind of thought he would come back, but he didn't. So, looks like there's a little trouble in paradise. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess he came by. I don't know. The fact that he didn't come back or that he didn't call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. But we'll find out. January 2nd, 1936. This morning, we cleaned the house good after taking down the Christmas tree. Maxine came over. She, Francis, and I gossiped for a while. Then I cleaned up and went home with her where we ate fudge and pickles while listening to the radio. After supper, Jack came up. I didn't know he was coming, but I thought he'd better, being as how I hadn't seen him since Tuesday. He said he came up twice last night, but I wasn't here. He had something to tell me. I bet he would have taken me to Bell City in advance today because he went. He put his ring on me tonight at last. Oh, dear. Oh, wow. So, okay. so, things are, so I guess maybe that's, he's not upset about the dance. It's the second day into the year. Yes. And the first, yeah. But, I, but it, I also found it interesting that she, they were taking down the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. I never heard them put one up. Oh, really? Well, yeah. yeah. We, usually we remember that episode back in Step, Step Rock, Rock where they went to the woods and they mm-hmm. cut greenery and, yeah. and they lit their Christmas candle. None of that for this year. Huh. 
I guess she had bigger things on his mind. But I guess what he had to tell her was that he wanted to put a ring on it. Aww. <laughs> you better put a ring Thank on you, it. Beyonce. <laughs> I think that's really cool. So how sweet. So yes. they've said they love each other. Now she's wearing a ring. Mm-hmm. The big things, big things are happening. Mm-hmm. January 3rd, 1936. After we finished rendering lard, I took Maxine some liver. Mary was there. We all went to Hopkins, and Jack embarrassed me by asking for his ring right in front of those girls. Maxine and I went to Lutesville, talked to Ray and Wilma, had a hot dog and a Coke at Ward's. He brought me home. After supper, Francis and I took the kids to a ball game. Okay, there's a lot. Yeah. But he asked for his ring back. Yeah, And right in front of her girlfriend's. That seems kind of mean. I yeah. mean, he, I mean, why didn't he just wait and do that in private? And why did he give it to her if he was just going to be like, give it back? It's just the next day, right? It's the very next day. So <laughs> Good she to... took the ring, like, let me take it. Mm. And he was like, fine, fine. And then he's thinking, I'll get it back. Um, yeah. I don't know. Huh. But I thought this was really gross that they were rendering lard yeah. and taking Maxine some liver. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> and then I started thinking about lard mm-hmm. and what that means and how you render it. And it took me down a rabbit hole I oh. did not expect to go down. A lard rabbit hole. Yeah, believe it or not. So let's talk about lard. All so right. basically, you're taking the fat from whatever meat you have, and mm-hmm. you're supposed to dice up the the meat and the with the fat in it as small as you can. And the smaller you chop the pieces, the quicker it will render and the more lard you will get out of it. Then you put it in a heavy pot and you cook it on low heat without the lid so the extra moisture can escape. It actually takes several hours. Mm-hmm. And you'll know it's done when it starts to crackle and pop. And then you strain it to get all the little bits out and voila, you have lard. So basically, any person listening to us right now who has a jar of bacon grease in their yes. refrigerator that is gold to them, this is lard. And people have been doing this forever. And in learning how to do this, I came across so many interesting articles about lard and its health benefits. And before long, it will be vilified by other companies. And we will think of it today as that's not the fat you want. You know, you've heard like, don't eat too much butter. You know, blah, blah, blah. Of course, you've heard this a million times. Well, here's why. I found all of this from a website called The Daring Gourmet. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've started following them now, and they have great recipes and yep. things, so go check them out. But this is the United States in the early 1900s, and this is about Procter & Gamble. Mm. Now, they had a booming business producing cotton, which, by the way, is not considered a food crop by the FDA. Mm. And although that's a duh, that will be important later. There was an unwanted portion of the cotton plant, the cotton seed, and they couldn't do anything with it. And they had lots and lots of it. So they put their heads together to come up with something they could do with cotton seed in order to profit from it. Drum roll. Brrr. They discovered a method of intense processing that enabled them to extract oil from the cotton seed at virtually zero expense to them. But this oil was unstable at room temperature and easily spoiled. So enter hydrogenation. Mm-hmm. And hydrogenation is like hydrogenated, oil, right? Yeah. Hydrogenation is the process by which hydrogen atoms are added to unsaturated fats and oils, and that would make it stable and make it last a really long time. And they called it Crisco. God, I was gonna... <laughs> really? So yes. big cotton 
created, created Crisco. Crisco. And since it came from cotton, and that's not a food crop, the FDA is hands uh, off weird. of this product that we are ingesting. Oh mm-hmm. That is a rabbit hole. I know. In an issue of Popular Science, summed it up this way. What was garbage in 1860 was fertilizer in 1870, cattle feed in 1880, and table food in 1890. <laughs> All right, now. And this will change the way we think about food and the way we eat for generations. Mm-hmm. The legacy of anti-lard and butter mindset is st- is established and still continues today. Oh. Did you know that more marketing dollars were spent on making Crisco a success than any other marketing endeavor up to that point in history? How interesting. And what ensued from that point on can only be summed up as one of the greatest, most widespread, and most misfortunate health scandals of all time with health with health consequences, we are still reaping today. Wow. I'm going to go mm-hmm. home and fry me up some chicken and go, eat it all. Go put a bunch of butter on a nice <laughs> loaf of bread and just eat that damn thing. My poor mm. husband's grandmother, no one would ever allow her to have butter. Oh, like, no, it's bad for you, Granny. And I'm Aww. like, but Granny should have had all the butter she wanted. Absolutely, Granny. Isn't that crazy? Loved her sauce. Oh, my God. Granny gosh. got some good sauce. Uh, no one has been able to. One of her daughters, yeah. Bobby, is mm-hmm. really close to making Granny's sauce and her yeah. meatballs. Uh. It was so good. And at Christmas time, she would make it with crab meat. Really? So you would have crab sauce. Oh, uh. Uh, wow. Yum. It was so good. She would only do it at Christmas because it was so expensive. Sure. But it was part of the Night of the Seven Fishes that Italian people uh, do instead okay. of eating meat on Christmas Eve. I don't know why you're not allowed to eat meat I don't know. on Christmas Eve. Yeah. It's not a Friday. Well, right. sometimes it is. Anyway, I have more on this day news from January 3rd, 1936. The U.S. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt presented the annual State of the Union Address to Congress, and the president spoke at length about the international situation and warned that a point has been reached where the people of the Americas must take cognizance of growing ill will, marked trends, toward aggression, increasing armaments, and shortening of tempers. Mm. You could pull Mm. that sentence out right now and say it, and everyone would think, oh, you just said that. Yeah. But this is Franklin Roosevelt in 1936. Mm -hmm. And of course, his way of dealing with it was neutrality, but... At this point. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's 1936. But although he said we need adequate to defense to save ourselves from possible attack. And of course, as we know now, he was selling a lot of the old armaments and this created jobs like crazy and pulled us out of the Great Depression before mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor. Right. So, um, mm. but you know, it's just like lard. These two stories mm-hmm. have a lot in common. Follow the money. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> right? So I thought that Nancy was very Drew. interesting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> January 4th, 1936. After dinner, I went down to Maxine's house and we walked to Lutesville. Maxine got a rinse at the beauty parlor. We got some cinnamon rolls and walked home. I was at their house when mother and the kids came by. I took them to Lutesville and we bought some stuff. Saw a drunk couple. After supper, Jack came up. He stayed until 1045. Tried to make me wear his old ring. Oh my oh. So, flip, so today's the fourth. So the- <laughs> <laughs> We're four days into January. The ring has been given back and forth twice already. Yes. And now he's like, okay, go ahead and read it. And she's like, I don't even want to wear it now. It's ugly. <laughs> God. <laughs> I would love to know what ring this was, but I we'll know. never know. No. We'll never know. Also, I thought it was fun that she saw a drunk couple. Uh- 
that made her whole day. You know, she's like, look at them. Yeah. And they probably were fascinated, like seeing a monkey out in public. Right, you know? right. <laughs> I'm sure they Too loved it. funny. But her and Jack, man, this back and forth is starting to make my head spin. Mm-hmm. January 7th, 1936. I had to go to town this morning. I had so much stuff that Jack had to bring me home. He came in and stayed a while. I wrote a letter to Bill this afternoon and asked all about the banquet. After supper, Mother and I went to Hopkins and traded out what they owed us on some meat she had sold to them. Talked to Jack. Finally, we got Mother to come home. Leon said Jack told him this morning that he was going to quit coming to see me and he was going to take Cat to the show. This is like the young and the restless. This is like the a week. This is January 7th. (laughs) Yes, this is one week. This is one week. But okay, this was interesting. Since we just talked Mm -hmm. about trade and how important that was in our lives. What meat did your great grandmother have that she sold to Hopkins store, I wonder? Meat? It says on some meat she sold to them. So she maybe had some, I don't know, venison or... Huh. Where did she get meat? Oh, well, they've always maybe they had chickens, and maybe she. You know, they hey, may have, and they were just rendering lard, and they took a liver to Maxine. So clearly, they had some meat. Sort of, yeah. So they took the liver out of the duck or chicken. Well, that's not a very big liver. Like here, Maxine, yeah, have, have a, a chicken liver. <laughs> liver, and she can swallow it whole. That's crazy. But that must have been where Good. that why they were making lards. This feels so little house on the prairie to me. Yeah, the butcher it really in the cow does. and. But where'd they get it? So I, they traded in this store as well. And maybe this beef came out of something that Louie traded. I was going to say, maybe it was some sort of, you know, trade upon a trade. Yeah, maybe while, because he's traveling to Arkansas all the time. Right. Maybe he stopped by the farm and maybe someone said, have this baby hey, calf. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Have some veal. Anyway, I guess the most important thing is that Leon is telling some t- stories here. You think a, a story? Like, well, I mean, he's coming home and telling a tale. He's like, Jack's going to break up with you, and he's mm-hmm. going to start going out with Cat. Ha, mm-hmm. ha, ha, ha. Oh, and Cat's the one that she's the most jealous of. Mm-hmm. That would be the hardest for her to hear. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll find out. January 8th, 1936. I bathed and cleaned up late this afternoon. Jack called and wanted to come by, but I had to go to a young Democrat's Jackson Day celebration. Mr. Chandler took Francis and me. The orchestra played. There was a program, and then we had a few bites. Bob was there. He and I danced to the radio. Then the orchestra played some more. So she's not just going to this because she loves Andrew Jackson. She's going to this because mm-hmm. it's a job. <laughs> the right. or- th- I hope. Because <laughs> right. we've all decided that Andrew Jackson is a garbage person around here. But so she's playing and making some money. And Bob Drum is there. And she danced with him. Remind so, me who Bob Drum is? Bob Drum is not your grandfather. No, and indeed. And he is the guy who uh, was kind of like, don't date anybody. And oh, the get jealous mad, guy. The right. jealous That's guy. That's right. Mm-hmm. And he'll end up owning a funeral home right. later okay. in his life. But the reason they're celebrating. Andrew Jackson is that Jackson Day was a celebration of the Battle of New Orleans that took place on January 8th of 1815, which was during the War of 1812, which is the most badly named war because it's still happening in 1815, (laughs) right? But But the war had already ended before the Battle of New Orleans, but word hadn't gotten all the way to them. Mm -hmm. So like 5,000 people died for no good reason. Wow. But Andrew Jackson won that battle that he never even needed to fight. And it kind of made him a hero. And it kind of 
pumped him up to become president and, mm-hmm. and all that he did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I wonder what the ideology, it says Democrats Jackson Day celebration. I wonder what the ideology of Democrats was back then. I think it was still shifting, right? I do too. I, I it, think it's it still, was. I because think even in the North, in there flux. were two different kinds of Democrats, the ones who were pro-war and the ones who weren't. Right. So I think it's settling into what will become, what, the Kennedys. Progressive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is progressive right now. FDR is a Democrat. Yes, true. Yeah, so it's becoming the, so, the Democratic Party that you and I know today yes. and not mm. the one that, you know, wanted to keep slaves. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Lincoln well, was a Republican. I mean, a, Lincoln a, was a Republican. A Republican, and so was uh, Martin, Luther, Martin King. Luther King. Yeah, you, know? you were so, so smart to point that out the other true, day. It's true, you know. It, yeah. it, it, it was a shifting, this is the shifting world of politics yeah. as it is 90 years later. Yeah. Again, oh. history mm. repeating itself. And, mm-hmm. But I also, for January 8th, have some Nazi news. Okay. Okay. On this day, Jewish booksellers throughout Nazi Germany were ordered to turn in their Reich Republic's chamber membership cards, without which no one was permitted to sell books. Oh, man. They were cornering them left and right. They were just cutting off all their resources. So now any Jewish bookstore in Nazi Germany was closed. So I don't know how many that were. They didn't give me a fact, like how many bookstores closed, but all their employees and all their distributors and all their opportunities to read books. Mm -hmm. They like, Mm -hmm. they like people like that, like to take books away from people. I do believe you're correct. And that's what the Germans were doing. I mean, we'd already had a podcast where we talked about all the book burning parties that they had to the Hitler youth and the colleges were doing. Oh my God. So awful. So there's our Nazi news for today. January 9th, 1936. Maxine came up. We started off and Stanley Odom picked us up and took us on a little ride. We got a Kodak and went to the college and took pictures. Lind Chandler brought us home. All right. Now. So this is one of those ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding, because we have that picture. We do. Of Maxine and Elizabeth. You guys, if you've followed our Facebook or social media anywhere, you have seen it. Um, and this is so we'll definitely be putting it up in the gallery and highlighting it. But that's the coolest thing for us mm-hmm. to have the entry and look at the photograph. Ugh. Isn't that something? It, and what's even cooler is when you look at her in this picture, she's wearing a turtleneck sweater that yeah. looks like an, like a rust or an oil. It's black and white mm-hmm. but you can tell it's like an orange color because she had gotten an orange turtleneck sweater from jefferson city uh, not a year ago that her mom had brought home for oh her. wow and that's the sweater oh how cool so we have that entry as well we know where the outfit how came cool. from cool yeah uh, it's the coolest and thing. And they look so happy in that picture. Because they're best buddies. I know. They work together at the telephone office and mm-hmm. they're always hanging out. And mm-hmm. this is her best, best friend, which is amazes me that the twins never knew who she was. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Pete, uh, things shift and change. Yeah. But we need to meet Mr. Stanley Odom. He was born in January of 1917. So he's the same age as Elizabeth. And his family had lived all over Missouri before settling in Lutesville. And in 1940, he marries a beautiful woman named Georgia Harvey. We have a picture of her. She was a school teacher. Stanley will end up working for the power company, and they'll move to St. Louis after they get married. They'll have two children, a boy and a girl. Stanley dies in 1984, and Georgia lives until 2006. Mm. And she did remarry. She married a guy named Frank Bauer, and he died before her in 2006. But again, I don't know because of records, anything about him. So now we have Lynn Chandler. He was born January 7th of 1914, and he would become a druggist slash 
pharmacist. He had brown hair and hazel eyes and was five foot ten. His family owned the Chandler Drugstore in town, and the twins talked about that in the mm-hmm. twin review. <laughs> Lynn will marry Wanda Ricketts in 1940, and Lynn was a Rotarian, so he definitely would have been good friends with your grandfather, because I know who your grandfather is, spoiler, mm-hmm. who was also a big-time Rotarian. Right. So they would have been friends, they would have known gotcha. each other quite well. Lynn was in World War II as a chief pharmacist's mate, and I have a picture of him. Oh. Now, it's a group picture from when he was in the pep club at school, and standing right behind him is Bob Drum. So I thought that was cool, Ooh. and I'll mark that pretty clearly on our Patreon so y'all can figure out who's who. Now, he and his wife will have one child that I could find. Sometimes the twins tell me different. And Wanda Ricketts will die by suicide in December of 1964 at the age of 42 from a single gunshot wound to the head. Wait, that was his wife? Yeah. Oh, dear. I know. So all I know is that they had one kid and he never remarried Mm -hmm. and he died in a nursing home on May 5th of 1976. Mm. So about 12 years after her, but how tragic. Yeah. Now their son, his name was Stephen. I know the twins know all these people. Mm Mm-hmm. Stephen will grow up to run that drugstore, just like his daddy did. And at the time of Stephen's death, the drugstore was a 103-year-old business in Marble Hill. Whoa. I know. Isn't that cool? I love that. Stephen was a veteran of the Vietnam War, and he had a Purple Heart. And I don't know who he marries, but he does. And he has a son named Austin. (laughs) And Austin drowns in Crooked Creek when he's five years old. Oh, no. So there's so much tragedy in Stephen's life. His mom and then his son. It's awful. Stephen dies in 2004, 12 years after his son died. His dad died 12 years after his mom died. I mean, the 12 and all that's creeping me out. Hmm. But it's just so sad. But I don't know that Stephen had any other children his records. But I didn't see any other children mentioned in his obituary. Mm. So I think they were just the one. I know. Sometimes they're sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. January 11th, 1936. Boy, did I work hard today. I ironed this morning, worked on my quilt. Jenny and Grace came by a few minutes. Spikey called and said we were supposed to play for the show. I rushed around and got ready in about three minutes. Bud and Ray came for me. At intermission, I went to wards with Bob and danced with him. Jack took Lucille riding tonight. Huh. Makes me think, is Jack just sort of... Is Jack just trying to see what he can Mm -hmm. get? Yeah, he's trying to make her jealous, maybe. Well, well, he's doing a good job because Lucille is her next door neighbor. Oh, really? This would have to be Lucille Barker. Oh, right. Who cried and cried and cried because she broke up with that other guy. What's his name? Walt or something. Yeah. Oh, no. He's doing a real good job at making her jealous. (laughs) Or he's just trying to find play in the field. Oh, woman. Just like, who is it going to be? I mean, he's Mm -hmm. 19 years old, so almost Mm -hmm. 20. So at this age, he's probably looking to settle down. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. But I bet that made her so mad. Yeah, right. And what the heck is Lucille doing? Because she knows that Jack's over at Elizabeth's house hey. every night. And she's like, okay, I'll go riding. What a tangled web we weave. It's, I mean, that just seems a little sketch. <laughs> anyway. January 12th, 1936. After Sunday school, Dean and I went for a little ride. Jack and L.H. were on the porch with those girls. I went down to work at one. Mrs. Cobb asked me to work until five. Jack came up. And we quarreled. Wow. Uh, you think? 
Right. Yeah, there's some, right. <laughs> there's some definite quarreling going on. Sure. So he and LH, those girls. I well, know. one must be Lucille. Lucille. I wonder who the other one is. It's not her fault. She's just mm-hmm. hanging out with LH. Cat. But right, I mean, right on the porch. They're not even <laughs> trying to hide it. Poor Elizabeth. I feel sorry for her because oh. she loves Jack. January 13th, 1936. I was sick this morning and didn't do anything but lay on the divan. Felt pretty bad over several things, of course. Maxine called and asked me to come down, and I told her about everything. Kat asked Jack to go to a wiener roast with her youth group, but he didn't. I wonder if he remembered his promise to me not to go with her. He said he needed a four weeks vacation. From her? From life? What in the world does he need a four, <laughs> four week vacation? Week vacation. A va- don't call it a vacation. Uh, yeah. Say maybe we need a break. He said he needed four weeks. A four week vacation. Vacation? That's a bad choice of words, that sure Mr. Is. Jack. A little break. But no wonder she was sick this morning. She's feeling so blue, I bet you. Yeah. Aww. Four weeks is a long time, this Jack. I know. That's mean. It's a little little mean. But I don't know. Maybe it won't happen. We'll find out. Hi, I'm Celine from Baguio City, Philippines, and you're listening to My Grandma's Diaries. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. January 16th, 1936. Maxine and I went to Mrs. Van Amberg's to find out about an adult class in sewing. I went to work for Maxine so she could go to the league party. I called Bill and talked to him for quite a while. Bill Terrell? I don't know, because since she's in the phone office, she sometimes she talks uh. to operators in other towns, and I'm sure it's free. <laughs> she patches in to Bill. So it's either Bill Teeters or Bill Terrell, yeah. uh, those Bill T's. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but still, she's like, all right, Jack, go take your vacation Bill, what you doing? So <laughs> That's exactly what probably it is. a closer Bill. But I love that she's taking an adult class in sewing, and yeah. I wonder if Billy had influence oh. on her that way. Mrs. Van Amberg was born Willie Hart on March first of eighteen seventy four, and she married Doctor Alfred Van Amberg in eighteen ninety. He was fourteen years older than her, and she was his nurse. In the 1900 census, they take in an orphaned boy to live with them. His name was Willie Sandler, but they'll end up having two children of their own, Lulu and Lynn. Lulu dies in 1916 from nephritis at the age of 25, and the good doctor will die in 1939. And Mrs. Van Amberg not only has to give sewing lessons to make ends meet, but she starts taking in boarders to help support herself, and she died in 1956. 
Okay. Now, one of the boarders she took in was a girl named Becky Welker. And I tried to see if she was related to Grace Welker Mm -hmm. of the John and Grace fame Mm -hmm. who stayed good friends with your grandmother. Uh, But I couldn't tie them together. But in my searching around her information uh, on her find a grave, Becky Welker ended up working for the telephone company just like Elizabeth. Mm. So maybe even with Elizabeth, I'm not sure. Um, And she died in 2009. And on her tombstone, they have a carving, like an etching of her at her telephone operator job. No, really? It's the coolest that thing. That is cool. I've never seen anything like that on wow. a tombstone before, so I'm adding that picture to our photo gallery please. this week. But at the same time, please, when you bury me, yeah. do not engage me or etch me holding a microphone <laughs> or a camera. D- don't make that, that yeah, my right. life, yeah. right? I mean, I'm sure well, when she would What would you like us to do? I'd, I'd like not that it's coming anytime soon, but no, what I, would your... I, I've always thought I would be cremated, so I wouldn't even have a tombstone. Yeah, me too. But I've always said that I wanted to, ha- you know, have somebody make uh-huh. something out of my ashes, like a bead. Cool. There are all kinds of things you can make. Yeah, right. Like if my kids could each like have a marble, yeah, they could just hold oh, it in their hand cool. and it would be me. I like, yeah. Or that's either that or horribly morbid. No, um, I think but that's I think, cool. But they're just cool things you can do with ashes. Sure. Although Neil deGrasse Tyson yeah. talks about how he wants to be buried in the ground. Uh-huh. And he wants it in in a way that the soil can consume him. I heard and that he interview. Could, was, he's given back. Yeah, because he's like, why would I want to burn myself and just throw it into the atmosphere yeah. where it does no good for anybody? Right. When literally recycle I can go me. back, recycle me. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. Except said, they found I, that woman in Greenville who had those hundred and twenty bodies. Oh, it was I don't supposed to be that. a natural decomposition, but she. That's like a body farm. It was. That's not good. But she didn't do it right. She didn't yeah, do it. Right. Uh, and all these people and the smell, that's Ew. why it got shut down. No, no. Yeah. You don't <laughs> do that. Yeah. yeah, I know, but I would like a bit. I'd like to be decomposed. Okay, if the technology is there and somebody can do it mm-hmm. without me just too. now me being dumped, put in a dump somewhere. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I'd yeah. like to be fertilizer. He said, Neil deGrasse Tyson said that he's been taking from the earth for his whole life, so he's going to give back a little. <laughs> it, yeah, well, I think that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll 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 make our wishes known. Call a lawyer. Call your dad. <laughs> yeah. I have a fruitcake. I exactly. Trade with him. <laughs> you got a horse. <laughs> I've got a dog. Anyway. Yeah. All right. We'll take that. <laughs> yeah. January 17th, 1936. Didn't clean all day. After dad came home, all us girls went to Lutesville, got Leon, talked to Mary Ellen. I don't like Jack near as well as I did. And I certainly was hurt when he took her to the show when he has never taken me. I'm going to tell him several things. That is, if I get the chance. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Who the, did he take to the show? Mm-hmm. Her, did, did, I mean, does she mean like Lucille, Lucille, like next door? Cat, yeah. Or Cat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, if it's Cat, she's going to go mm-hmm. scratch his eyes out. Did she capitalize her? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, like hard with that pen. <laughs> she wrote her. <laughs> when he took her <laughs> to the show. I don't know. I don't blame her for not liking Jack as well as she did. Because yeah. now, I mean, they were getting so close. And now he's mm-hmm. really, he must be scared and he's backing off. Mm-hmm. Who's to say? <laughs> January 18th, 1936. I took Dean and Helen to Lutesville after some stuff. Went in to see Jenny and Mary a minute. After I came home, Jack and L.H. came up and asked me to go to the show. Bill called and asked me too. Francis had to take me over as I had to play. I came home with Jack. He had a bunch along. He asked me to come up tomorrow night. But I already have a date with Bill. Uh, There you go. 
And, all right, yep. cat and mouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, girl, say sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill called and uh, <laughs> yeah. can't go. But I love how Jack and LH, bold as brass, yeah. are like, hey, I know you've seen me with other women, mm-hmm. but you want to go out? Yeah. And Elizabeth's like, no, I do not want to go out with you. <laughs> uh, but so good for her. Yeah. Play those cards, girl. <laughs> January 19th, 1936. Went to Sunday school this morning in my new black dress. After dinner, Maxine called. We went riding a long time. I went to Ward's and had hamburgers and a Coke. Bill came after supper. We drove down to Advance, saw the airport, went to a little cafe and danced. I don't like him. (laughs) (laughs) So that's Bill. Bill, gone. Yeah, so I guess Bill, I don't don't know that he's gone, but she's... I don't think he's Jack in her mind, yeah, right? Yeah. And I think she just likes Jack and she isn't over him. And this is a rebound. Oh. And that's and it's so sad. But I also thought it was interesting that she went to Sunday school in her new black dress. Mm-hmm. And we know from previous um, mm-hmm. entries, she teaches Sunday school with Kat. So she was going to come waltzing in there in her new, well-fitted black dress and be like, good morning, Kat, in your old dress. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Calculated, little girl. Yeah, it sounds like it. Good for, hey, you know, all's fair in love and war. Mm -hmm. Pull out that black dress. January 20th, 1936. Little Francis was sick of bed all day. Mother and I did the work and everything. Maxine and I went for the Tucker girls and took them down to Mrs. Van's to attend sewing construction class. Comfort Yaunt and Inez Ward were there too. We took notes and sewed on electric machines. I came home. I had to take the kids to a ball game. When I got back, Jack was here. We talked a while. I told him about Cat. I told Jack that if he went with Cat, that I certainly wouldn't go with him anymore. I mean it. All right, all right, girl. Well, I mean, we have a picture of Kat. Kat's a lovely girl. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we know a lot about Kat, but we'll talk about that later. Mm -hmm. But I also did notice, and I didn't make a note of it, they were sewing on electric machines. Mm-hmm. Now, even my mom, well, the sewing machine she learned on, you had to pump it. Mm-hmm. You've seen those old-timey sewing machine mm-hmm. tables with a little thing. So the, how exciting mm-hmm. that Mrs. Am- Van Amberg had had these electric yeah, machines cool. that they could use. Sure. That's exciting. And I think I found the Tucker sisters because I was looking in my Marble Hill newspapers.com research, and I just happened to find this little snippet. It says, to broadcast, Miss Navona Verl Tucker, daughter of Mr. and Mrs. A.J. Tucker of Marble Hill, will broadcast from radio station at Cape Girardeau Saturday at 3 p.m. She will be heard in a program of mountain ballads and sacred hymns playing her own guitar for accompaniment. Miss Tucker was formerly of Poplar Bluff. So I thought, could that be the the Tucker the sisters? Tucker Were they a band? And I looked her up, yeah. and uh, I did find her, and she does have a sister. And so we'll start here with Miss Navona. She was actually born in Cape Girardeau in 1917. In 1939, she married a man named Marvin Talley, and they moved to Dudley, Missouri, where he's a farmer, and then he becomes a carpenter. They have two children, and Navona ended up working in a garment factory for 12 years. So her sewing lessons came in real handy for her. She can thank Miss mm. Van Amberg. Mm-hmm. She was also a published poet and was in the who's who of Missouri poets, but they don't say what year. So I've Googled hmm. all over the who's who of Missouri poets yeah. and I can't find her name anywhere. Okay. Yeah. So here she was 
Taylor Swift in her way onto the radio with her guitar <laughs> yeah. and songwriting. And I did find, as I was looking for her, this old list of Nashville recordings. Mm-hmm. And one song was written by Navona Tucker. Oh. But I thought she would have been Navona Tally by then, but maybe well, she was using know. her maiden yeah. name. But anyway, who knows? She's a poet. Maybe she wrote someone a song. And just didn't get the kind of, you know, like back then. Yeah, right. You didn't get the nods that you get today. But Navona, she died in 2007 at the age of 90. So good for her. Yeah. Her sister Enola is two years older than her and was born in 1915. And she married a man named Ryman Goman in 1937. And they moved into rural Missouri. And she worked as a presser in a garment factory. So again... Thank goodness for these sewing lessons. They had a love of mm-hmm. fashion and they did with it what they could. Mm-hmm. They had two children. She dies in 1990. And then we mentioned a little girl named Comfort Yaunt. She's uh, is also in the sewing class, born in 1912. She married John Barrett of Memphis in 1940. And she had worked for Bollinger County before they got married and was a graduate of Mayfield College. John, her husband, was a school teacher. They had two children. She died in 1993. When I looked her up on Find a Grave, I didn't see an obituary, but I found that somebody had written something about her on her behalf. (laughs) And it said, I met her through her son, Steve. She was bedfast with lung trouble. Her funeral was in Arkansas, but taken to Missouri to be buried. I loved this lady very much. She was precious. She lived in the home of her daughter, who has also since passed away. Hmm. That's nice. Sometimes you can go in to find a grave and you can write nice things like that. Right. And I thought that was super sweet. And then the other person in the sewing class was Inez Ward. And we've met her before because Jack dated her Uh, once too. Okay. But that was when we first moved here to Marble Hill. I'm saying we like we're a collective. In there. Yeah. And then I found a fun fact for today because we know how this is going to end up. On January 20th of 1936, King George V died in the presence of his immediate family at Sangringham House at five minutes to midnight after a four-day bronchial illness. His eldest son, Edward, will become the new king. Oh. And we know that's not going to end well because that's the king that abdicates the throne for Wallace Simpson. Oh, wow. He'll be, I think he also was going to be King George. What did he do? He, he was in love with a divorced woman. Oh, this horrors. is this is yes. Well, <laughs> well, that this is why the whole Princess Diana thing happened, because Charles mm. was in love with Camilla Parker Bowles. Yeah. And since she was married, mm. if she had gotten a divorce, he could have never married her. Oh, so that's why he had wow. to marry Diana. He had to marry somebody. Yeah. So he picked this young, innocent girl he could manipulate. Never stopped seeing Camilla because that was the love of his life. Right. And I'm telling you right now, I don't like either one of them. <laughs> I love the royal family, except for these two. And but he did finally get to marry her. Queen Elizabeth relented, mm-hmm. but not until like not for years like and years, years after Diana died. Yeah. yeah, finally let them get married. So it's mm-hmm. it's a love story, but it's, it's also a little. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not my favorite love story. We'll just say that. But I thought that was a fun fact that I saw in the yes, research. Yes, that is fun. January twenty sixth, nineteen thirty six. Went to Sunday school this morning. Mrs. Cobb wanted me to work. Jack came by. Mary Ellen and Maxine came a while. Worked until five. Francis got me. We went to the rendezvous, got some gas, went to wards, and hung around a while. After supper, Jack came. We all went to Lutesville. Jack got some gum and wouldn't give Dean any just to tease her. It made her mad. I think Mother got mad, too. That Jack? 
Why, why is he teasing that poor girl? She can really? give her a piece. He can have all the gum he wants. <laughs> but I also thought it was neat. We know where Ward's is now, mm-hmm. and we know there's a gas station right next to it. Mm-hmm. And then they had gone to the rendezvous. It's like, boop, boop, boop. Oh. And it makes me wonder if the rendezvous was in Lutzville. Right. Yeah. And maybe that can help us start narrowing okay. down if we can ever find where it was, but it sounds like they were like hitting all the hot spots. That's Let's what go to the rendezvous first, then we'll go get some yeah. gas, and it's right by Ward's. Making the rounds. Yeah, right? Yeah. I thought that was an interesting little fun fact. Mm-hmm. We're going to find that rendezvous if it's the last thing I, I know, did. Right? Like how we found the Black Cat Cafe That's back right. in Cersei. Yeah. We'll find it. It exists so somewhere. Too. January 27th, 1936. We washed a little this morning. I was going to go with Maxine to get her hair fixed, but it was too cold. I slept nearly all afternoon. Got a letter from Rex this morning. Daddy was drunk when he came home. (laughs) Usually when Daddy is drunk, because there is a pattern, it's Mm -hmm. when things aren't going well. Right. And I'm wondering what's not going well for Dad. Does he have a job, do we know? At this point, I do, yes. Right now he's employed. Mm -hmm. That's why they're in Marble Hill to begin with. Right. So he did get a job with the Bob Johnson company. Mm-hmm. And he was training that boy that she thought was so cute. Yes. So he had, but maybe things aren't looking right. good because poor, yeah, poor dad. February 1st, 1936. Had to go to town to pay the telephone bill. Stopped at the bake sale that Francis was helping the girls with. Came home and made some fudge while trying to fry hamburgers. Needless to say, it wasn't very good. I cleaned up after dinner and went down to Allen's until three. Jack came up and said he'd be by later. Bill called and said the orchestra would play for the show. I got the car and went by for Jack. The show was pretty good. Came home and talked in the parlor with Jack. It snowed all afternoon, about four inches. Hmm. So I wonder if she's paying the telephone bill with her own money. Oh. Or if someone said, oh, here's the money, go pay the telephone bill. But I think that's Hmm. shades of what's to come Mm -hmm. as well. Now, she just talked about how cold it was the night before. She wouldn't even go to Lutesville to the beauty parlor with Maxine. Mm -hmm. And now it's snowing. And so I looked it up. In 1936, the North American cold wave ranked among the most intense cold waves in recorded history of North America. Wow. The Midwestern United States and the Canadian prairies were hit the hardest. Only the Southwestern United States and California escaped its effects. So she's in the middle of a huge cold cool. snap. Yeah. Although it was not two degrees like it was yeah. in that February in Step Rock. Right. But and still. She's in the house. And remember when they first moved into this house, they didn't have a stove. Yeah. I mean, they had like a cooking stove. They right. didn't have a heating stove. Yeah. I wonder if they still mm. don't. Mm-hmm. Poor girl. Is the par- parlor, um, what is that? It's like, like a, the living room. In the, it's okay. like the formal room. Okay. February 2nd, 1936. Went to Sunday school this morning. Francis and I went by for cat, and we practiced at Maxine's. Afterwards, Francis and I took the kids to youth group and got some popcorn for us at the store. After dinner, Jack came by, and we went with Francis and Leon to league. We girls sang our quartet. Came home and ate popcorn and talked to the folks. After they had gone to bed, we had our usual talk, but somehow everything was so different. Dear Diary... I'm afraid to even tell you. Do I love him? I'm afraid I do. And why should I be afraid? What will happen? 
so sweet. She's in love. But I do. I don't understand how they worked things out. And now he's coming over again. But mm-hmm. everything is just so casual. But it's interesting talking about that cold snap. I had seen a Mountain View newspaper from Missouri that always has a Marble Hill social section. So that's where I get most of my Marble Hill news from this Mountain View Mm -hmm. newspaper. They let us know about something very important that happened on February 2nd. Mm We don't think Mr. Groundhog saw his shadow this year. <laughs> oh, right. No kidding. Because <laughs> they're in the midst of that horrible yeah. cold snap. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was real cute that that was their reporting for the week. February 3rd, 1936. Frances cut my hair, and after I washed it, she said it. Maxine came up this afternoon, and we made some fudge. I went to town with her. Came back with Dean and Helen. We fought each other with snowballs all the way home. After supper, I played solitaire and played the piano, looked through some old memos that I had written. I'm retiring very early. Probably this time next year, I shall be laughing at my scribblings. I do wonder what will happen. I'm terribly afraid that I will lose Jack. Well, I know what she's doing exactly a year today from when she wrote that. I'll bet. And while I can neither confirm nor deny that Jack is in her life, I can say that the Hartzels... Are not in a good place. Oh, really? A year from now, it's oh, they're not. She's saying oh, we hopefully will be in a better place. Yeah, they, they will not. It's not happening. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Bless their hearts. And I have a little uh, fun fact. Okay. February sixth of nineteen thirty-six, mm-hmm. the fourth Olympic Games, the Hunger Games, <laughs> were uh, opened in Garmisch, Germany, which is a beautiful. Oh my God, Garmisch! Yeah. Oh, it's like yeah. that's close to where uh, Neuf- Neuschwanstein is, mm-hmm. the Klatt Castle, the Disney Castle. Yeah, beautiful part of the world. Yes, that's where the Olympic Games opened, and of course, uh, a delegation of twenty-eight participating countries marched past Adolf Hitler in the opening ceremony. He gave the Nazi salute. Most athletes appeared to return the gesture, although the Nazi salute was confusingly similar to the traditional Olympic salute, and the Americans among did not salute at all. Oh. What in the world does the Olympic... How? Okay. The Nazi salute is very noticeable. How can the Olympics... Like, oh, it's kind of like that. How? Maybe it was like a fist up like that or, or something. Or maybe it was not all the way up, but like halfway yeah. down. I don't know, but that yeah, seems that a little also sketch to me. But then I remembered in 1936, they also did the Summer Olympics in Germany. Hmm. And I didn't know you could have both Mm-mm. in one uh, country, mm-hmm. especially I remember it because Jesse Owens, the black mm-hmm. athlete, that mm-hmm. American that went over there and won everything and mm-hmm. Hitler's head almost exploded. Right. Unfortunately, it didn't. The runner. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. That guy. And it was a huge scandal because Hitler wouldn't let Jewish athletes perform. Mm-hmm. And it was really rough. But that will end up being the last year that both Olympics are in one country. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Hitler, again, ruining everything for everyone. <laughs> yeah. I hate that guy. Mm-hmm. February 12th, 1936. We just kind of dilly-dallied around this morning. After dinner, Francis and I went down to Maxine's. It was raining and getting slick. We talked about a party and listened to the radio. A red-haired magazine salesman came to call on her. He won her completely, subscriptions and all, even to making a date for tonight. Fast worker, huh? came home with dad and Leon after getting some things for mother, I got a comic valentine today about a piano player. After supper, I knitted. Maxine called and told me about several wrecks. She also said her salesman didn't show up. 
stood up flat-footed. <laughs> Golly, that's chock full of stuff, that entry. I love how this redheaded guy cons yeah. her into getting all these subscriptions. Yeah. Like, sure, honey, let's go have a burger later. And then just stands her up. Ditches her. But mm. I love the expression caught up flat-footed. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And so I just looked it up to see like where it had come from. Because yeah. I like, and it didn't really give me where it came from. Yeah. But it means obviously like caught unprepared, taken by surprise. Uh, but right. the usage comes from one uh-huh. or other sport in which a player should be on his or her toes and ready to act. Okay. So if you're caught flat-footed. Yeah, you're not You're not prepared. like on your toes. For, yeah. I don't know what sport you're on your toes. Ba- ballet? <laughs> yes. That's not a sport. Should be. Yeah. What is it, basketball? Maybe. A little bit of toe work. February 13th, 1936. Jack came up before supper and said he'd be back. He brought me a box of candy for Valentine's. All the folks went to town. Jack and I talked very educationally about questions asked over the radio. The folks came home, and after they had retired one by one, we had our own silly conversation. Hmm. It well, sounds like, yeah. yeah, I love that. First of all, I love that they, I mean, I don't know what radio show they were listening to, but they talked educationally. Maybe political stuff. It, well, that'll come up in their mm-hmm. relationship in a, in a couple of entries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they had their own silly conversation, yeah. Yeah. which probably involved a lot of hugging, uh-huh. snuggling. Oh, so cute. February 15th, 1936. Bud and Spikey both phoned this morning and said we would have a dance after the show tonight. I finally consented. I cleaned this morning and after dinner did all my little odd jobs. Jack came up and we talked a few minutes. Spikey came by for me about 7.30. We played before the show. I sat with Edna and Emma Jean. The show was scary. The monster. We had the dance afterwards. There weren't many there. Went up to wards at intermission with Bill and Edna. Came home with Francis and Ward. Made 70 cents. So I I highlighted in our notes where she says, I finally consented. Yeah. There have been a lot of entries that I haven't added because it's just mm-hmm. been a normal day where they'll call her and say, hey, you want to play for this thing tonight? She says no. Uh-huh. So she's kind of like souring on the orchestra. Okay. Because it's a yeah. shame because she's making some money. Right. But she's just not. She's not like, happy. no, I don't. And they're not happy with her. Oh, really? That she's kind of bailing on him because that's uh-huh. their piano player. Sure. And they definitely want her. So I thought uh-huh. that was interesting. Mm-hmm. But this movie. Yes. Okay, Mark, this is going to entail you doing some work for me. Uh, before this podcast drops because this movie is actually called The Devil Monster. Uh-huh. You can watch it on YouTube. It's okay. only an hour. Okay. I watched little bits and pieces. I kind of scrubbed yeah. through it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. It's a story about a man who's gone off to find his friend's fiance mm-hmm. who may be stranded on a deserted island. And when he kind of finds the island I think they hide the fiance and they're all these quote natives who just look Mm. like a bunch of white guys appropriating someone else's culture it's so bad (laughs) it's just it's cringy to watch I can see it in my head but then the guy the guy ends up leaving the island and he doesn't get the fiance she comes Mm -hmm. running after the boat screaming and crying very dramatically Uh, for like a solid two minutes it's awful but the very (laughs) last minute of this movie is just old movie classic stuff because he the the hero who's not a hero because he didn't come back with her comes home and his mother greets him and then so does his i guess girlfriend i don't Mm. know it's the cringiest like were you scared 
No, not for a minute. I didn't even, I mean, scrubbing through, you can barely even see the sea monster attacking the boat. I don't, I don't really get what it's all about, but it's just an hour. So I'm if you have an hour, but I'm going to make you take sure. that last minute yeah. so that we can, Put there it. are two versions on YouTube, but you have to get okay. the one from 1936, not okay. 1946, which I can't imagine being any better, but it doesn't have this fabulous one. I mean, wait, wait till you see it, Mark. I it's too much, too much. February 18th, 1936. I went to town this morning and got some lining and cotton for my quilt. Francis and I went to class this afternoon. We learned how to make buttonholes and also about color harmony. After we came home, Francis made some fudge. After supper, Daddy called and said he would have to stay in Frederickstown again tonight. There was a letter to him from Mr. Bob Johnson. It said that Daddy would have to go to Percy, Arkansas to work for six to eight weeks. I do hope that we don't have to move. Mm. Okay, so now we're getting some insight. Things mm-hmm. might not be going great. He's moving mm-hmm. dad around. Dad's never home. And if he has to go to Percy, Arkansas for six to eight yeah. weeks, maybe he would say, all right, family, that's where the right. new job is. They've right. moved a lot yes, they sure in have. Elizabeth's life. And this would be real bad timing for her. But maybe that gives us some insight onto the drinking. Mm-hmm. February 20th, 1936. I can't remember exactly what I did this morning, but I guess I quilted and did around. Francis and I went to class after dinner. We took notes on color and made some charts. Francis and I went to town after stuff. After supper, she had to go to a committee meeting, so I had to take her down. I went to see Maxine, told her all about my affair with Gussie, and knitted while doing so. Francis came by for me. We got the kids. It's getting warmer. (laughs) Her affair with Gussie. Yeah, affair. <laughs> with the world. <laughs> she kissed him in the back seat, right? I, that's yeah, it. <laughs> and that's kind of it. And then she was just so young, an affair. But I love that yeah, she calls it that. I know. But the cold snap is definitely mm-hmm. over, and it's warming up mm-hmm. for her. So thank God. February 21st, 1936. I went into Hopkins today. Jack said he was coming up tonight. I came home this afternoon and tried to quilt and read. Wrote to Bill Underwood. Cleaned up after supper. Jack came and talked to Mother and me. We had a sweet little conflab after the folks had gone to bed. He left before the girls went to bed. Just before he left, he gave me some candy he brought. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, so there's Billy. Is that Billy? She wrote yeah. a little letter to Billy. Oh, cool. So uh, they're still staying in touch after, after uh-huh. 1936. Uh-huh. Um, and Jack's coming up and bringing candy. So it looks like he's really trying to make up. And What's maybe things are going... What's what? what? What's corn flab? Uh, it's it's a con flab. What is it's that? A, it's a conversation. It's a little private conversation. Ah, okay. it's a very British word. British people use con flab Never all heard the it. time. Yeah, I, I think it's short for a bigger word, conflabulation or something. <laughs> yeah, which doesn't sound pleasant at all. A conflabulation. <laughs> I, I was like, I had to have a conf- <laughs> did the yeah. doctor do that for you? Anyway, that's <laughs> yeah. funny. But here's a fun fact: mm-hmm. on February twenty first of nineteen thirty six, on George Washington's two hundred and fourth birthday, a retired baseball legend Walter Johnson replicated a feat attributed to Washington by throwing a silver dollar across the river. It's the Rappahannock Rappahannock I'm not even going to try to say that (laughs) but you remember ever hearing that he I always thought he threw it across the Delaware River yeah but remember him throwing a a coin he just crossed the Delaware. I don't know if he did. Okay, so he threw he threw a coin over this river mm-hmm. and like chopping down the cherry tree. We don't know if Washington ever did these yeah. things, but this baseball player proved it could have been done. All right. So that's I thought that was a little fun fact. George Washington's birthday, February twenty third, nineteen thirty six. Daddy started to Arkansas this morning. 
We all hated to see him go, and we'll miss him so. Went to Sunday school. Jack brought us home. After dinner, we all went to Cape to the show. Magnificent obsession with Irene Dunn and Robert Taylor. Oh, dear diary, it was just too good. We all boo-hooed. Jack phoned after I got home and said he'd be up. He talked to Mother and me. After they all retired, we talked alone. The show was supposed to change a person. I believe it did. Ooh, Magnificent Obsession is the movie. It's such a... Okay, here's the plot in a nutshell. Uh So it's about the spoiled wife of Robert Merrick, and he saved through the use of a hospital's only pole motor... I don't know what that is. Hmm. But because the medical device cannot be used in two places at once, it results in the death of Dr. Hudson, a selfish, brilliant surgeon and generous philanthropist. So this guy, this spoiled guy, Mm -hmm. gets the machine that should have saved this doctor. Mm -hmm. So it's a situation. Well, okay, guess what? This spoiled guy falls in love with the doctor's widow. Mm -hmm. Her name is Helen. And she holds him responsible for her husband's death. But one day he insists on driving her home and makes a pass at her. She gets out of the car and is hit by another car (laughs) and loses her sight. So then... um, Merrick wants to help her, but she doesn't want anything to do with him. But eventually he sneaks into where she's being recuperated Uh and lies about who he is, says he's a doctor, gets her to fall in love with him, Mm -hmm. and then finally admits to who she is. And of course, she forgives him because suddenly her eyesight is miraculously healed because it's the movies and he's real hot. And then they they fall in love and boom. And then this spoiled guy goes on to become a brain surgeon and saves all kinds of lives. Mm -hmm. It's the most contrived. It sounds like it. I don't. But it changed her as a person. It changed Elizabeth's life to find out that you can. I don't know why, (laughs) but it's it's very sweet and drippy. Okay. Yeah. It seems silly, but there you have it. February twenty fourth, nineteen thirty six. I quilted nearly all morning, and I'm getting a little better. Got a letter from Rex. He said he had a wreck and tore up his car. Lil is making baby clothes. Maxine and I got a Coke. Met Francis coming to town. She had asked Jean for a date. Cat asked John Dale. We all came home. I worked for Maxine. Francis went with Ward. Jack came up and walked home with me. <laughs> so we've got, um, first of all, mm-hmm. Rex and Lil married each other. Okay. That's why she's making baby clothes. It's interesting she's writing letters to Rex all the time, but not to Lil. That is interesting. I mean, I think their friendship fell apart that last yeah. year in Bell. But Lil, anyway, yeah. you see Francis is asking a guy named Jean for a date. Mm-hmm. And is asked, so this is because it's a leap year. And on leap years, a girl can ask right. a boy out and there's a leap year dance coming up. Oh. So that's exciting. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. February 27th, 1936. We watched this morning. Leon got mad and overturned a tub of water on the kitchen floor. Got mad and left. Didn't come back until late this afternoon. I went to Hopkins for some eggs. The fire whistle blew when I got home. Maxine didn't know where the fire was, but found out it was Ward's store. Whoa. I know, a lot going on there. Poor Leon having a bad day, kicking over a tub of water. But then all those girls had to clean up. All that water. Yeah, right. That's awful. But now, uh, I thought it was interesting that, you know, now that Maxine works for the telephone company, yeah. all the news 
goes through that telephone company. They know everything that's happening. That's great. And I was trying to find out about the fire at Ward's store by searching in the newspapers. And I couldn't find anything about it, which is stupid. But I did find this interesting little article from the February 20th Mm -hmm. of this very year. So just a week earlier. It says, Mr. and Mrs. Lyman Shearer and small daughter have moved into rooms over the Ward store. Mr. Shearer is to be the manager of the store while Mr. and Mrs. George Montgomery are moving to Potosi. I don't know if that means Ward's Cafe or if there was a Ward's store. Good question. Because there is a Montgomery Ward's. Right. That's coming up at that same time as all of this. But and that was wh- huge. But, War- but we Hill. know Ward Store is a two-story building, and somebody could certainly live above it. Very much so, yeah. And if that Mrs. Ward is doing all the cooking, maybe she does need someone oh. to manage it. Sure. But I'll anyway, bet. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And it was from the, a local paper, so I figured, huh, why not? And I have a picture of Mr. and Mrs. Shearer. So just in case, we'll be putting that up there. Cool. February 29th, 1936. Francis curled my hair with our new curling iron. After supper, I had to wait a long time before Bud and Spikey came after me. We played for the show. The hall was really crowded. We had our big leap year dance after the show. It was a huge success. We made two dollars and twenty cents. To that, I say, let the women do the work. Because <laughs> yeah. they invited the men. They uh-huh. said, come on, you're dancing with me. They all showed up. They yeah. got these men dressed up. And Elizabeth made the most money she's Pay ever them. made. Yeah, for because sure. Because those women were in charge of that dance. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> also, I'm saying now she has a new curling iron. Yeah, so next sure. time there's a fire, she won't have to wait to take her rollers out before oh, she goes and looks right. at it. She yeah. can just curl her hair real quick. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so I thought that was cute. Now. On March 1st, construction of the Hoover Dam is finally completed in the United States. Mm. So, Mark, I have some Hoover Dam trivia for you. Good. I know you're going to get this right. Okay, number one. How much does the Hoover Dam weigh? (laughs) I'm sure I'm going to get this right. Yes, me too. I'm going to guess... Mm -hmm. 800,000 tons. Wow. You're not close at all. (laughs) It weighs 6,600,000 tons. Yeah. No. God, can you imagine? That's a lot. That's hugely heavy. It's like, it's like, how can the earth hold all that without like collapsing underneath it? Feet. Yes, exactly. Truly. And so here's your second trivia question, which I know you'll get right. Yeah. How many men were employed during the dam's construction? Hmm. I'm going to guess 4,330. <laughs> Again, beep, wrong. <laughs> well, you actually, you're not too wrong because a yeah, total okay. of 21,000 men worked Whoa. on the dam with an average of 3,500 and a maximum of 5,200 daily. Wow. Yes. And the highest That's amount a- they had working in one day was in June of 1934. And the average monthly payroll was $500,000. Wow. Also, the Hoover Dam was completed two years sooner than they thought it would. Interesting. Because so many people needed work. Oh, They probably sure. never had that a time sense. when they had to like, oh, they were always Ralph didn't show up today, right. so we can't do that. Oh, Ra- yeah, right. There were a lot of Ralphs. Yeah. So cool. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, very. Pretty cool. March 2nd, 1936. Came home after spending the night with Maxine at the telephone office this morning. Lucille came around and stopped a few minutes. We took our quilting frames to Mrs. Barker. I slept all afternoon. Cleaned up rather late. Lynn and Jack came by and told me to come down to the office after I got through singing tonight. Cat, Alma, Lucille, and I went to the church and practiced after supper. Cat got Sam's car, and we went for a little ride. 
After we got through singing, Maxine and I slipped out and went down there to the office, but Jack had gone off with his uncle? Question mark? Question mark? Hmm. 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 So, a couple things from here. Mm-hmm. In the Twinterview, mm-hmm. they got to spend the night at the telephone office once yeah. with a friend of theirs. Right. It was the same place. Yeah. Ho- hopefully not the same cot, but well, maybe so. Who's yeah. to say, right? Yeah, right. But I think that's kind of cool. I think she's training for overnight shifts because oh. now that she works for the telephone office. And then I thought it was interesting that she's, what is this singing that they're doing? I never know what day of the week this is. Mm-hmm. So, is this a church right. group that she, these four girls are always doing these quartets? Yeah. But then it's like, but Jack had gone off with his uncle. What does so that- it mean? So there, so he told her to come to the office, mm-hmm. which I guess is the store when she's done, or the phone office. Well, oh, he told her he, to come. Uh huh. Oh, I see. So the office at the at store. The store. And so she goes, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Jack is uh, right. with his uncle." Gotcha. And she's like, "What? He told me to come." I gotcha. That was interesting, but we'll find out. Men. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah. March 3rd, 1936. I called Maxine this morning, and as I expected, Jack was not with his uncle last night, but had gone off with Juanita. Jack got drunk. And he was so sorry. Okay. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Things Jack are not wasn't looking with good. Uncle Jack with Juanita. So he, not only he, he and he, he's drunk and he lied and he lied. He better be sorry. Yeah. We know Juanita because we that's do? Juanita Caldwell, and that's somebody else that Jack had gone out with, mm. <laughs> but before Elizabeth. I mean, okay. like when Elizabeth moved to town, they weren't. He was dating Juanita yeah. Caldwell. Okay. March fifth, nineteen thirty-six. Went to sewing class, got out early. Jack called and said he'd be up. He wanted to talk to me. We went up to the college. We quit, of course. Hmm. Uh, yep. 
so he, they break up. It's so it's sad. It's like the 10th time, though. Well, but they've always been like, oh, like, I need a four-week vacation. <laughs> right. or, but, yeah, but, I mean, he put his ring on her. He told her he loved right. her. He bought her Valentine's yeah. two weeks ago. Right. And now he's breaking up with her. Yeah. I guess maybe he wants a girl he can go drinking with. Maybe. Juanita. Juanita. <laughs> God, that's, so that's sad. Anyway, moving on. March 7th, 1936. Helped clean up the house this morning. Went to Hopkins, and Jack waited on me and was so friendly. Went down to see Maxine. She had gotten her hair cut. After supper, I went to play for the show. Talked to Maxine before we played. Sat with Muck Hastings and someone. Came home with Bob and Wilma. So... Uh, she's so funny how she goes with Muck Hastings and someone. Right. Like Muck Hastings must be really good looking to not even know who the other person <laughs> Somebody was. Somebody else, right. But I'm pretty sure Muck. I found him. I found a William Hastings okay. who was born in 1916. So he's a year older than Elizabeth. His father was also William Hastings. So maybe that's how he got the wonderful nickname of Muck. And he'll end up marrying a woman named Pauline Summer in 1939. And he'll be working in a feed store and they'll end up living with his parents. You know, I always think how how weird that would be to get married and then go home to your parents' house, oh, and suddenly sure. your spouse or partner no. is in your bedroom with you. No, and newlyweds yeah, need a lot of well, private time. Of <laughs> that would that. Yeah, but not not ideal. It, it didn't m- mind them at all. They had a child, mm-hmm. and actually, they'll end up having five children. And their first son will also be a William. So there's just something going on, you know, William, William the <laughs> third yeah. and, uh, and our William Muck will end up being a real estate agent and the marriage ends. I'm not exactly when, but when William dies in 1960, he had married another woman named Patricia. Hmm. So that's Muck. Muck. And oh, the Olympics are over now, Uh the the Winter Olympics, and the Nazis are feeling confident because it was a very successful Olympics. Mm -hmm. So they decide to invade the Rhineland. I know. People supported them. Oh, that's just wild. Are you kidding me? According to the Treaty of Versailles, the Rhineland is Mm -hmm. a strip of land inside Germany bordering on France, Belgium, and the Netherlands was to be demilitarized so that no German troops were to be stationed inside that area or any fortifications built. And their aim was to increase French security by making it impossible for Germany to invade France unawares. So other terms restricted Germany the German army to only have 100,000 men and the Navy to only have 36 ships. Hmm. But the Germans are just stomping all over they that right now. Care. They've moved into the Rhineland. Versailles they're, what? They're doing the Treaty of Versailles. Yeah, I know. That's what they were saying. Versailles, you know. Yeah. They yeah, were I ignoring understand. it. Exactly. Just stomping all over it. So here they come. Yeah. And everybody's still going, uh. Mm-hmm. But he's in the Rhineland. Now mm-hmm. France is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, right. It's not cool. March 9th, 1936. Lucille came over for a while. We talked about Helen Walters, Walt's sister who died at one this morning. She had a baby. I'm going to bed real early. I can't imagine what made Jack come to the office last night. We didn't say anything about our personal affairs. He didn't say anything about going together again. Got a letter from Rex. What's Jack doing? He broke up know. with her. I'm, I'm thinking that maybe there were more than just him at the office. Because apparently everybody, like Francis is always visiting and mm-hmm. Leon has spent the night before and Maxine is there and he just mm-hmm. dropped by. Mm-hmm. But why is he doing that? Why is he messing with that poor girl? Mm-hmm. But let's talk about Walt's sister, Helen. Uh, she was Helen Kinder 
uh, Walt's sister, and she was born in December of 1906, and she was 28 years old when she died from an embolism following a forced cervix delivery of her baby. Wow. The death certificate marked her mother and father as unknown, which is weird because she's Walt's sister. And we, I was able to find out who her parents were. Her husband would have known who, why did they write unknown? I thought that was so odd. But we have a picture of her. Uh, Her husband was Lieutenant Paul Walters. Also have a picture of him. He got married exactly one year later. He was a graduate of West Point. He will be stationed in Japan in 1948. He also serves in Korea and Vietnam and rises to the rank of colonel. Paul dies in 2011 at the age of 102. Interestingly, his second wife would live to be 101. Wow. I want to know what their lifestyle was. For all of the characters we've read in the diary, I think that's the oldest. I do too. And for both of them to make it that long. I have a picture of them as old people Mm -hmm. sitting next to a memorial for their mutual son, Robert, who died in Vietnam in 1970. He was 28, Mm. the same age as Paul's first wife. When she died. And he'd only been in, he hadn't even been in Vietnam for a year and he was in a helicopter crash. Yikes. I know. Yeah. But Helen and Paul, the son who, uh, well, he didn't cause her death, but she died giving birth to the right. son. His name was Jimmy. He served in Korea. I also have a picture of him. And I found a marriage license for Jimmy in 1978, which is weird because sometimes these things pop up mm-hmm. at a date when you're not supposed to be able to see them. Right. But anyway, I thought it was fun because it was a third marriage for Jimmy and the woman he married. It was also her third marriage. So I'm wow. like, they're finally getting it right. Brady Bunch. Yeah. <laughs> but he listed his dad as his dad. Right. Mm-hmm. But then he listed his mother as his stepmother on his marriage license, mm-hmm. which is lovely and sweet because that's the only mother he ever knew. Mm-hmm. But genealogically and historically, that ain't his mom. Right. And that bothers me Puts as a, a researcher the because then I would have gone down the wrong trail Absolutely. of who his mom was. So I think on documents like this, you're not supposed to Good be point. sentimental. Good point. You're supposed to be factual. Yeah. And that's my little. Nice. That's a good one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, a fun fact. On March 9th of 1936, the British Foreign Secretary, Anthony Eden, told the House of Commons that Germany's actions have profoundly shaken confidence in any engagement into which the government of Germany may in the future enter. But said, there was no reason to suppose that the present German action implies threats. <laughs> um, okay, so in one, on one hand, you're like, can't trust them, but they'll be fine. Right. Which is clearly not going to happen. So all these people, because, you know, there are probably people in Britain who are like, yeah, Anthony Eden, let the Ger- leave the Germans alone. Mm-hmm. I just wish you could take all the people who are wrong mm-hmm. and line them up and say, oh, and you were wrong. Right. That, God, right. That's, that's so petty of me. But <laughs> not to say you were wrong, so but you were wrong. Yes. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> oh, it would make my little heart so happy. Mm-hmm. March 10th, 1936. After I helped clean up the house, I went to Mrs. Estes and got my hair cut short, came home and fried hot dogs, went to town, Jack exclaimed about my hair, said it looked nice, went to sewing class, learned to smock. This can kind of help us line up pictures. Her hair is short in 1936. Mm. So any pictures with it longer, we know what her her hair looked like on her wedding day. Yes. And the kids were born. Yes. It had gotten significantly longer. Yes. But she got it cut short. Okay. It'd be interesting to see if we have any short hair pictures. I think we have a couple. Yeah. 
I think we do too. Relatively short. And then there that picture of her with the dog brownie that we yeah, think yeah. About. her hair is short in that picture. Yes, it is. Right? Yes. Huh. So that might be lining up just right. But it looks like she's wearing a sweater with a high school she, symbol on it. No, it's her uh, initials. Oh. What do you call those? Embroidery? A monogram. Yeah, monogram. Oh, that's what it, it is. Still Elizabeth, could be. Mary I still Elizabeth Hart. Yeah. I think your mom's right. She looks young there. She does, though. You know what really, I mean? Well, short hair can do that for you. True. Yeah, true, could true. be that. But I do know who Mrs. Estes is. Okay. She was born Mary Myrtle Hughes in 18... Oh, I wonder what year that is, because I wrote 1981, and that's not right. <laughs> so I'm going to say it's 1891 with my dyslexia. But she was one of seven children of Tom and Mary, and her dad, Tom, had immigrated from Switzerland. God, from Switzerland Long to Missouri. Way. Yeah, right. Now, I know that he needed to immigrate, probably, but who would leave mm-hmm. Switzerland? Seriously. I mean, oh, Switzerland is beautiful. It's some of, one of the I most beautiful it. places I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. But anyway, Mary Myrtle will marry Willie Estes in 1919. They have three children. One of them is Glenda, who we have met as soon as Elizabeth moved to Marble Hill uh-huh. because she went riding with Glenda and Mary Ellen Allen. And Mrs. Estes does hair. And she lives until 1986, and she was 95 when she died. Okay. So bless her heart. She did Elizabeth's hair for a long time. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Huh. Although, I wonder if the twins know her. I asked the twins about her a long time ago, and yeah. they said, no, somebody else did her hair. But then Mrs. Estes owned the store. It could be someone else who worked sure. there who ended up doing her hair. Right. Because um, Mrs. Estes might have been too busy. But back then, you just walked into the beauty shop and right. said, can I get a roll in a set? And yeah. They'd be like, yeah, sit down. Right. You didn't have to make an appointment three weeks ahead of time. <laughs> no, right. God. March 11th, 1936. Haven't felt good all day. After supper, everyone went somewhere. I wrote to Rex and then shed all my pent-up tears, which weren't so many in numbers, but I feel better. I certainly do miss Jack a lot. Hmm. That makes me sad for her. She's sad. Brokenhearted. She gets sad. Brokenhearted. She really liked him. March 13th, 1936. Bud came for me in Bill's car after I waited a long time. Went to Lutesville and got spiky. They cleared the hall after the show and had the dance. We made 45 cents apiece and helped pay off the new sheet music. Came back in the car with Bill, Bud, Spikey, and Blackie. Scandal, scandal, if anyone finds out. Oh! She came back in a car with only men. Is that what the scandal was? Yeah. Really? If she had come back from yeah. Lutesville and gotten out of the car with four men. Right. Oh, scandal. Oh, dear. It would have been. Somebody uh-huh. would have said something about that. Uh-huh. Oh. Little, I'm not going to say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not, not our sweet grandma. No. Yeah. March 14th, 1936. Helped clean the house. Baked some oatmeal cookies. Went down to see Maxine at the office. Jack spoke to me clear across the street when I wasn't looking. He took Cat to the dramatic club play last night. Well, if it wasn't over then, it's over now because mm-hmm. Cat has come into the picture. Mm-hmm. And whew, that's a mm-hmm. that's a tricky one. But I, I will say he didn't go to the Wiener Roast with her yeah. when he was still seeing Elizabeth. But now that they're officially yeah. broke up, he did run right to Cat. Yeah. But so at least he waited. I mean, a, at least a, a that week. we know. Yeah, yeah. That we know of. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's a small town. I right. think we would True. know. True. March 18th, 1936. Waited on the mail, but didn't get any. Talked to Bill. Wish he'd asked me out on a date, but no. After supper, I started a journal, a rule for beginners in writing. Oh, wow. Cool. Isn't that fun? Yeah. I wish we had that journal. I do too. 
Yeah. It sounds like almost a textbook she wrote. Yeah, like she's, you know? yeah, like she's taking all of her things she's learned. Right. Like, here's how you write a story. Because she must be good that. at writing stories. Yeah, yeah. God, what I wouldn't give. I know. Uh, March 19th, 1936. Why should I still want Jack after what he did? March 24th, 1936. Went to Hopkins after buttons for my new dress. Jack told me that I looked good in pink. Quote, in fact, you'd look good in anything, unquote. <laughs> Jeez. And in nothing. Right. <laughs> yeah. But he's still flirting with her. <laughs> like maybe he's just trying to be nice and keep friends. Or and... maybe he loves her. Maybe. I don't know. I he went out with Kat. I mean, he knew that would hurt. That's. Yeah, what, I true. mean, that he knew that would hurt. True, true. And right in front of her. Anyway. Yeah. March 26, 1936. Went to the store with Inez, and Jack cut me some samples. He talked a while, and even asked me to go to a wiener roast tonight. It rained on and off. After supper, Jack came, and we sat on the porch till the folks went to bed. Then we came inside and talked. Jack making me crazy right now. Yeah, right. I mean, why is he asking her out? Anyway, I I thought he needed a four-week vacation. Well, we'll see what happens. March 28th, 1936. Daddy came home at noon. He had a letter from the office that stirred up the family. March 29, 1936. Typed a hot letter to the office for Dad. Went to work an hour for Mrs. Cobb. Daddy left about two for Jonesboro. Poor old Dad. He's so disappointed. I mean, this is still the middle of the Great Depression. Poor guy. Yeah. I mean, poor guy. I mean, I don't know what letter stirred up the family. Right. Maybe it's a, maybe it was just a letter that you have to move. That would stir up the family. I mean, if it was a letter I thought that we knew he, he was moving though. We well, knew we, that. No, we knew that he had to go six to eight weeks in Percy, Arkansas off for the job. Mm-hmm. No, he left for that six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's coming home for a visit. And now okay. there's this letter probably saying, if you want to keep this job, you have to move uh, there. I and that was, and, but like that. she typed a hot letter. Yeah. <laughs> she mad. I mean, maybe he was mad too. Like, hey, I've moved my family. I'm doing these trips. Can my family, because he still has Dean and Helen are in high school. Uh, so it'd be nice yeah. for them to stay in one place. But I wonder if Elizabeth's fears are coming true. The dad thinks they're going to have to move again. <sighs> and that would take her away from the heartbreak. You know, like it did from the True, whole Bill Terrell thing. my gosh. I mean, you can't keep running from heartbreak. Well, no, that, you know? but she has no choice of where to live because she doesn't have a job. Yeah. She couldn't pay rent. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we're going to wrap up. That was a good one. That's a good episode, Yeah, right? that was good. After being gone for so long. Yeah, it's um, nice to be back. Yeah, so guys, don't forget, now that we're back, don't forget to rate and review the podcast mm-hmm. wherever you listen to it. Find us on social media, on yep. Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. We are My Grandma's Diaries. Dot com. We, well, too. we also have a website, mm-hmm. yes, where you can go and see, have links to everything. You can see the news stories that Mark and I have been involved yeah. in recently. Yes. And there'll be a newspaper. Yeah article on that because we're supposed to like I said we're recording this right before Christmas Mm -hmm. but by the new year um, a local newspaper has done an article on us and so you can catch all that stuff up we're also on the Patreon My Grandma's Diaries if you want to see all these pictures and if you want the first 30 minutes of next week's episode right now head on over to the Patreon we got that for you and until next week bye Betty. happy new year Mm -hmm. bye hi I'm Leslie And I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina, and you're listening to My Grandma's Diaries.